What's your name? Internet darling. Thanks for the blood. You cannot give me any advice. Get you waiting. We go again. I know that I can be selfish and narcissistic and self-destructive, but underneath all that deep down, I'm a good person, and I need you to tell me that I'm good. Shut, 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 shut. We live inside a dream. And it's just stupid that I'm in this world. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am Knives Monroe. How are you guys doing? Hopefully, you're doing well. Edgar Wright chats with Daniels about today's film villains and imposter syndrome. This is an article that I found on nofilmschool.com, written by Jason Hellerman, June 29th, 2022. Even the best of us get imposter syndrome once in a while. It's already been a great year for movies with everything, everywhere, all at once becoming a breakout hit that keeps making fans all over the globe. One of the movie's biggest fans is Edgar Wright, a brilliant director in his own right who had an extremely fun film, Last Night in Soho, come out last year. Recently, Wright sat down for Sight and Sound with Daniels, the directors of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, to talk about the movie, their lives, and what drives them. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, collectively the Daniels, or simply Daniels, are some of the most fun filmmakers working. Their pursuit of practical effects, weird ideas, and embracing of trope reversals make their movies something incredibly special. Hearing them talking to Edgar Wright, was so fun. The conversation went all over the place. It began talking about superheroes and how most of those movies, they end with fights in the sky and a lot of CGI. But in their movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, it was much more of a personal battle. So to provide context, when I refer to Daniels, it's Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan, kind of like the Coen brothers, Together they are billed as simply Daniels. If you've ever watched their first film, Swiss Army Man, then you're familiar with them. If you've ever seen their music video, Turn Down for What, then you're familiar with them. Um, everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I watched it, I can't remember if I saw it two times or three times in theater. But I do have to say my personal experience with that movie is a little cloudy. Because the third act is difficult for me to have said that I've watched it's kind of hard for me to say I watched it. When watching the big screen, my, my, my vision was cloudy, full of tears. I could, I, it's hard to even tell you what happened because I was crying, weeping almost throughout watching the entire movie. I don't say that with an inch of exaggeration. The first time Claire and I saw this movie, her mask in the movie from the movie theater, she was wearing a mask at the time, one of those N95s, soaked, covered in tears. She's a very emotional person when it comes to watching movies. She can, she can cry at a drop of a hat with something, you know, being even just remotely emotional. I've noticed that. But this movie is, is nuanced, yes, but it is not shy away from the fact that you're going to feel something with this picture. And boy, I don't think either one of us were ready for this. Now, this was before the buzz. I'm a hipster. Before the hype, we saw the movie. I had wanted to watch it because Swiss Army Man was one of my favorite movies of the decade, of the past decade. I think it came out 2016, my favorite movie that year. 
And I go, I, you know, the way I work is when I see one of my favorite pictures from a director, if it's something extraordinary, I give them a 10 year credit where I'm going to watch everything you do for the next 10 years. This happened with Steve McQueen's Hunger, which came out, I believe, in 2009. And I followed everything that he did from then on um, for, the, for the next nine, 10 years. Um, now, if you're someone that creates a movie that I consider an undisputed masterpiece, you get a lifetime credit for me, or I'm going to be a champion of yours for the rest of your entire career. Now, this happened with Daniels after their movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Lifetime Credit. This is one of the most important movies I've ever seen. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's, it might be one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, as soon as I finished watching it, and I know that there's a recency bias, but I knew that, dude, this is one of my favorite movie ever. Like, it just felt that way. I felt that way after watching There Will Be Blood for the first time. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for the first time, Mulholland Drive. There's just some movies that you watch that you can't help yourself. I can't help it. This is just one of my favorite movies ever. So if I refer to Daniels, I'm referring to these filmmakers. Going back to the nofilmschool.com article written by Jason Hellerman, just, uh, just June 29th of 2022, Daniel Kwan said, I saw a tweet recently that made me laugh where the person wrote, in the Disney stories of my childhood, the villains were all evil witches. In the Disney stories of now, the villains are all disappointing parents. I think that marks a shift in our cultural myth of what we consider to be evil. Evil witches are this other mystical thing that we can never fully understand. Disappointing parents causing us generational trauma is a more honest and nuanced way to look at evil. Very early on, we knew that this was not going to be that there was not going to be a villain in everything everywhere all at once the villain is existence itself the cold indifferent universe but it takes a lot of work going back to the article to get to a place where you can even make a movie like this and contemplate those stakes edgar wright asked them about the feeling of imposter syndrome and dealing with it daniel scheinert had this to say we had a different solution we have very similar tastes but we came from very different backgrounds. Quan retreated into animation in college, and I retreated into my comedy troupe. I became the video guy, and we would put on improv shows and stuff. Doing improv comedy is like you're just practicing how to be an imposter. You have no clue what you're going to say or do if it's going to be good. You just have to walk out and be, welcome to the show, so glad you came. Early on, we joked that I was the entitled white arrogant director who was like, yes, you hired us and we deserve to be here. And he was the neurotic one with imposter syndrome. That's very interesting. One of the most interesting parts of the movie for me, this is the writer speaking, was how it dealt with technology. There was a real gener generational divide when it came to how people dealt with certain things like the IRS, paper receipts, parents and phones, and kids texting back and forth. Daniel Scheinert said, yesterday I realized we were never trying to say anything about the internet we don't really point at anyone's phone no one is looking at social media but the movie is totally a reaction to that jobu slash joy which is a character in the movie is like a character that grew up on the internet who is struggling to be understood by her mom who did not grow up on the internet i don't want to tell you about the chat rooms i went into when i was 10 but it was weird i can totally relate it's changed just how overstimulated and distracted we are one of the most touching parts of this interview 
is when the directors talk about ADHD and how it affects them as directors, whether it's working at weird times, scripting everything out so they stay on track, or just finding little ways to stay connected, they figured it out. Daniel Kwan said, I will say this, I'm diagnosed. I'm still the same human being, I'm still just as creative, some days I'm really struggling, and I take some Adderall and that's fine and I can just normalize myself, but on most days I can just be myself, and I'm lucky enough to have a career where I'm allowed to just shut the fuck up to just fuck up every day, and that's fine. Whereas before, in high school, every day was misery because I was fucking up all the time and the system didn't leave room for that. We're very lucky in that we set our own schedules and we're our, our, our own bosses or whatever for the most part. But I just say to you or to any reader that if you're curious, try to look into that. Wrapping up the interview here, it was amazing reading these three directors go over their process as well as what makes directors tick. Check out the entire interview on BFI and let us know what you think in the comments. Thank you so much for Jason Hellerman, nofilmschool.com for that amazing interview. I am going to go into it. I didn't plan on going into it, but, but, you know, after reading that article, Daniel Kwan, it takes a lot of guts to admit that you're neurodivergent. And uh, I appreciate him for that. I was diagnosed March of 2022 with uh, a mental illness. I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. And uh, I am properly medicated. And I do feel different. Um, I feel balanced. I feel the closest to normal, big air quotes, that I've ever felt in my entire life. It's still not normal. What is normal? But I feel it. And the best part is, you know, I, I tried everything in the book before I got on medication. I tried everything in the book. I, I did everything. I could list 100 things. You know, I, I woke up early. I, I've ate clean. I've exercised. I've worked out. I've cut out sugar in my diet. I've done the keto thing. I've read the self-help books. I've I read the the Tim Ferriss books. I've I've done I did everything. I mean that I could with within my own resourcefulness. The last thing I hadn't tried to do was get on medication, and I did. There's a few people close to me in my circle. If I have told you about this, consider yourself VIP, because not everybody knows about this, and it's not something I am super super honest about. But the best thing I ever did was walk into a psychiatrist's office and let them know what was going on in my brain, and they did the rest. And I trusted them, and I got on medication, and I was super fucking lucky that that was a good balance for me. And I found a blend of chemical alchemy that balanced me out. Instead of these high highs and these super low-ass lows, I feel a little more peak and valley. I still feel highs and lows, but it's it's way more within an octave of what I would consider quote-unquote normal to the point where sometimes I don't feel anything. Not numb, but it's more like as opposed to euphoria and depression, <laughs> which were the two places I lived and the only two places I lived, and I'm sure you can figure out my mental illness by now. But instead of those two things, I feel a, a little more of a, of a different spectrum, and I'm getting used to it. Because sometimes I miss the highs. I miss the euphoria. I miss going on a spending spree 
and splurging on something and then instantly regretting it and then being down and depressed about it. And like, that was my cycle. And I kept asking what was wrong with me? What was wrong with me? And I realized, oh, you know, I have this mental illness. You're apparently born with it. And it's not something that could be tracked in blood work. It's something that a, a legitimate psychiatrist has to diagnose and treat. And uh, it was one of those Jesus take the wheel moments for me where I was able to let go and let God and uh, act accordingly. So Daniel Kwan, you know, much respect to you. Your movie was amazing. Daniel Scheinert, your movie was absolutely incredible. I implore any listener who's made it this far, you must seek out everything, everywhere, all at once. Give it your undivided attention. It's a movie that deserves it. Um, unfortunately, now when you watch it, there's so much hype that it could you you might walk away with it being like it was it was good it was fine. I hate that. Um, I went into the movie blind. I had saw, seen a trailer. I know I knew Michelle Yeoh was in it. Um, didn't know much about the plot. All I cared about was that the Daniels made it, and they're now one of my favorite filmmakers. And whatever they do for the next Infinity, I'm gonna be there for that. This episode is brought to you by IndieDarlings.net. The best way to support me, the best way to support the show is to visit IndieDarlings.net and to purchase a sticker, to purchase a hat, a shirt, a mug, a print, something that you might think is neat or interesting. And if you have any ideas, please present them to me. And that's something that Claire and I, who are the Indie Darlings, it's just the two of us, that's something that we will put on our on our shop. We want to create more designs. We want to make more interesting shit. Podcasts like these, we want to create into blogs, put them on the website, create an email newsletter, and do it right. And we can't do it without the support of you all. So please visit IndieDarlings.net, check it out, and support the cause. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Keep a force filled around your heart. I love you. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace. Never ever believe anything you hear. And believe only half of what you see. And always, 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 forever and ever and ever, put a force field around your heart.